Hello and welcome to Newspeak, the New Culture Forum's look at the weekly news agenda. As usual, I'm joined by our senior fellow, Rafe Hadelman-Koo, a historian and royal commentator, of course, and Amy Gallagher, the lady behind Stand Up to Woke and also the SDP's candidate for the mayoralty, right? That's yes, all correct. formal yeah. now, is yeah, it? Yeah. Done and does it? Great. Well, all the very best with that. Um, but uh, so before we talk about various issues of this week, a couple of very important ones, uh, just one note for you about our upcoming locals event. Now that is this coming Tuesday, that is the 6th of February in the evening. Um, as you know, our locals program has been spreading throughout the UK. This one is in Wellingborough and our guest speaker is Ben Habib. Very, very topical because of course we have a by-election happening in Wellingborough and Ben Habib is the reform candidate. So he's going to be the speaker there. Uh, he's a very good speaker too, Ben. So uh, I do hope you can maybe come if you're in Wellingborough or in the surrounding area. If you'd like to, then please write to uh, locals at newcultureforum.org.uk and we will send you the details of when and where. And it's free, of course. So that is on Tuesday, the 6th of February. Um, I wanted to start by talking about this verdict uh, that happened in the Lawrence Fox case, Rafe. Um, I'm being rather vague about it simply because it's actually quite a convoluted uh, case, isn't it? But he lost in the High Court, didn't he? Yes, it's an, an astonishing verdict. Um, all the more astonishing because this is actually uh, this is an, this is an appeal which he's lost uh, in in the High Court. Um, and look, I've got a law degree, so I do understand the law, and I just cannot see why this is a just decision in this case. But to go back, Lawrence Fox uh, originally made a tweet about Sainsbury having a Black History Month, and he was questioning why it had that and saying, you know, it's not, is this, should this be the case? Um, he was branded a racist um, by two individuals for saying that, and to show how absurd it was to call him a racist, he perhaps unwisely responded by saying, you're, you're a paedophile. Mm. His point was quite obviously the fact that you're obviously not a paedophile, like I'm obviously not a racist. Uh, and then, one, and then a journal, one of these two people, a journalist, uh, tweeted out a specific phrase saying, any employer who employs Lawrence Fox should know that he is unequivocally, unequivocally and without doubt a racist. He then replied to that saying the same thing about her, but replacing racist with paedophile. So he, they sued him, and then he countersued them. They sued him for the claim of paedophilia. He sued them for the claim of racism. And remarkably, the judge decided that um, calling them a paedophile was a defamation of character, even though it was clear that he was saying, you're, you're clearly not a paedophile, was the intention. But the judge also decided that calling someone a racist wasn't defamatory. So calling someone a paedophile is defamatory, according to this judge. But there was no evidence that calling him a racist was, was damaging to his reputation. Although we know full well that in today's climate, perhaps the worst thing, well, paedophilia and racism are the two worst things you can accuse anybody of. Both of those terms are guaranteed to destroy your reputation and your career and lose you future earnings. Lawrence Fox claims that he's, he's, it's been impossible for him to find work after this. And, you know, he, was, he claims to have been earning about half a million pounds a year. Yeah. So a clear loss there. 
And this is so shocking because in one sense, for, for a couple of reasons, but it actually sort of suggests that if you, know, if you call Tony Blair or Alistair Campbell a murderer mm. for the Iraq war, that suddenly now they can sue you, you know, even mm. though it's obviously you're not saying that they're Jack the Ripper. Mm. Uh, and, and also disturbing is this idea that um, the judge couldn't bring them it upon herself to actually define what racism is. And this idea that now anybody can be called a racist without any fear of, of repercussions on the person using that very dangerous epithet, which I think is deeply disturbing. You know, in the American Constitution, there's a very good article by Brendan O'Neill on this subject, yeah. you can find in Spike Online, and he points out in the American Constitution, you are allowed to use exaggeration and rhetoric to make your point. You know, the, we have a rich language which enables you to use flourish to underline and underscore a point. It seems here a re very retrograde decision that means you can only speak literally and only say clear basic facts without any type of uh, expansion or, or literary flourishes. It's deeply disturbing on all those counts, I think. But do you think therefore, I mean, is it sort of a kind of dumbing down whereby we are now being so literal minded as you're suggesting, or is it downright political? It's, it's difficult to say, but what we, we are seeing is that the courts definitely aren't reflecting the culture because, as Rafe said, in our, it, currently in society, to be called a racist is possibly the worst thing you can be called. You, and people think it's quite acceptable for you to be ostracised, cancelled and never forgiven again for being a racist. And yet at the same time, our institutions are pushing an ideology which essentially says racism is everywhere and we're all unconsciously racist, especially if you're white. And if you're white, the, 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 the only thing you can do really is to admit your racism mm. and, and then somehow atone for your racism. In which case, we, if we all admit our racism, we should all be ostracised and all cancelled and nobody can speak to anybody. So there is this extreme contradiction within the, this, this notion of racism that doesn't make sense. Um, and the courts don't seem to be taking into account any of these the, the, these cultural changes. So we end up having a very literal uh, definition of some words and other words like racism. Everybody's very confused because we have ideas of systemic racism and um, uh, uh, you know other forms of racism that don't that don't seem to match up. So it's um, yeah, the, the, the courts, I, I, I speak to a lot of lawyers who are very confused by terms like systemic racism and how it's used in the law and how other terms like racism are used and how to prove it or disprove it when there is such a degree of um, a d debate and discussion around what these terms mean because nobody, me nobody knows what it means anymore. Yes. Does, it, does it actually mean that sort of it's open season that just anyone can call answer racist whenever they like. Is that what the yeah. well, yeah, well, on the on the basis of it, that's what it suggests. Now, Lawrence Fox is now um, suing another person who's called him a racist um, for, for in four tweets, uh, some a Muslim chap, and Today? I think he's doing that. It just just been in the last couple of days, and I think the reason for that is he actually wants to test without this counterclaim distraction getting in the way actually get a clear ruling on whether or not he actually is a racist under these terms which of course might support him in the other case if he wants to if he wants to appeal that i mean the judge's reasoning was interesting the judge thought that no reasonable person reading that those tweets uh, would, would would understand the nuance of Lawrence Fox's argument that any reasonable person would assume he was calling them a, a, a pedophile but I'm sorry that's mm, you know mm. underplaying the intelligence of the average British person to a huge degree to think they're not capable of it's not a very nuanced argument it's a quite basic two-step argument uh, and yes and I, and I have to actually also wonder and I, I've got no evidence for this it's quite controversial to say but this was a female judge 
And I wonder whether a male judge would have made a similar verdict here, because of course we know that uh, women on the whole are much more likely to be buying into progressive ideology and to have bought into that. And I mm -hmm. can't read this verdict in any other way than to think that this person, in, even though they're supposed to be impartial, does have leanings towards uh, progressive ideology. Well, that's how it sort of feels. Mm. I mean, would you go yeah. along with that? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, they've both got equal defamation claims and one has one and one has lost and one has said that it, it's not acceptable to call someone a paedophile but it is acceptable to call someone a racist mm. and that judgment must come down to um you know the, the two parties and what what the values that you yeah. hold because it's not clear as to why one would be seen as worse than the other all i can imagine is that the judge thinks lawrence fox is racist yes, yes. and thinks that yes. the tweets that lawrence fox has made over the past few months suggests that he strongly is racist mm. so there's a judgment there but she's not come out and said that mm. she, instead of that she's refused to give a definition which i think is actually even worse in a way there's also something that actually lawrence himself pointed out on uh, twitter which is part of this problem is that then one of the what have been defendants or co-defendants the woman you know a drag queen uh then said oh and do you know he actually used the n-word for example, in when he was talking in court. Again, this was taking something entirely literally. He he was he was quoting a rap song, you know, but it's sort of almost enough now just to say something. Mm. You know, we see this, don't we, even when we talk about films and drama and whatever. It's enough to say something. That's all. What do you think the general implications are for free speech? Uh, that battered battered concept what mm. what what do you think of free speech well i just think it's very chilling i think you know people used to believe that you know logic and 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 justice would ultimately prevail <coughs> if you were ever slurred or slandered or libeled and uh, unfortunately after this sort of ruling i don't think the average person can actually feel that comfortable and that i think is that at the uh, ultimately that's the biggest disaster and danger here is it further erodes the public's trust in yes. the justice system yes. and when we have trust in our police at an all-time low all of our institutions have been eroded you know the judiciary's had had its you know controversies in recent years but it was still seen compared to say the elected american judiciary which is clearly biased and it's quite pathetic to see these battles on the supreme court we've always hoped that we had sort of one of the finest judiciaries in the world mm. but when you see these these sorts of things coming out then you can't help but wonder whether there's any institution upon which we can really rely for an honest judgment yes I I, I'm, I sort of automatically assume now that they are pretty much politically biased. Mm. You know, it always used to be people used to think they were reactionary you know, and totally out True, of touch. Yes, yeah. But in fact, now I sort of think, well, the people who are now high court judges and court of appeal judges, they would have been uh, students around about the late 60s. They would have been mired in all the kind of institutional left wingery, mm. wouldn't they? Mm. Yeah, and as you say, with regards to like the use of the N word, so much of these arguments are done in bad faith, yeah, uh, intentionally. Yeah. They know, don't you know, they, they know what's going on, but it's just weaponised. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and, and, and in the case of free speech, I mean, the issue that we're having is that there is no longer an agreed-upon understanding of what words mean. So how can we even have an argument? Mm. That, I mean, that's that's the issue. Mm. Um, it's it's it's, it's uh, obviously yet another one of those signposts along the way, isn't it? And, and what is Lawrence, what's his step? He's, cause he's actually going to be coming on the channel to talk about all of this. But he's going to appeal again? I think he's looking to appeal. To the, to the Supreme Court? If they'll take it on, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll yeah, see. Yeah. Mm. 
I wanted to turn now to the very, again, very worrying, uh, well, it's not a new development actually, is it? Mm. Um, but we've had the resignation, or should I say, the, the int intention to resign of the MP Mike Freer, yes. uh, who is MP for Finchley and Golders Green, yes, London. And this happened yesterday, actually, mm. didn't it? Um, this is because he has had what, 10 years of intimidation, which has reached a pitch recently, isn't it? Yeah, I think the final straw was an arson attack on his office last year, the end of last year. Um, it's yet to be determined the motivation, but it is within the context of, as you say, a string of threats upon not just his life, but on his family's life. Um, he's had extremists, uh, Muslim extremists, Islamist extremists threaten to stab him telling him he's not welcome in Muslim areas. Um, the actual Islamist terrorist that went on to murder Dave, Sir David Amos yeah. um, actually threatened Mike Freer with his, that he was going to come to his constituency and, and harm him. three or four years ago, yes. wasn't it? Yeah, so these, I guess that highlights that these threats are very real. Mm. I mean, for him to be threatened, be threatened like that and then to go on to see one of his colleagues be killed. Mm. He has spoken about how he lives in fear of his life. He, he almost has to check CCT everywhere. And he has decided that he can no longer continue in British politics mm. as a result. And what this shows really is that um, political violence or terrorism, I guess what you would mm. say, is being used to deter MPs from continuing in their careers, deter them from speaking about certain issues. He is living in, a, he is the cons um, MP for a majority uh, uh, Jewish area. One of the most Jewish areas mm. in London. And obviously he's spoken about some of the anti-Semitism that his constituents face. And for that he has been, felt like there's threats upon his life. So what we're really seeing here is the way in which, as I said, political violence is being used to undermine democracy. Mm. In a sense, we no longer have a democracy, we have a, a mafia. We have a sense where, we have, an, we have a situation where power is being, uh, being obtained through threats and intimidation, mm. rather than through free debate, discussion, democratic voting. Actually, it's just uh, sheer power through, through force, actually. This is, uh, I mean, it's quite unbelievable. There seems to be zero moral or physical protection for him. Well, let's be quite clear. This is the politics of places like Pakistan yes. being yeah. imported, right? Yeah. Intimidation, arson, death mm. threats, mobs coming to your offices and hanging up, as we've seen outside. Even Labour MPs have these mobs outside their offices mm. and, and, you know, and, and these sorts of uh, activities going on. And let's be clear here, you know, some people might say, oh, well, this chap was going to lose the next election anyway. No, Mike Freer was one of the few MPs who was uh, on the list of people who are most likely to win their seat at the next election because mm. no one in Golders Green is going to be voting for the Labour Party, right? Mm. So this was actually one of the Tories' safest seats. So he's, he's deliberately turning away a future career in politics for this rather than just a, a deserting the ship. Uh, and it does sort of, you know, erode all of our faith in, in politics when we see the politics of fear and, uh, and aggression becoming, becoming more strong in this country. And remember, we're discussing this also a day after we had an acid attack in yep. South London. We still have a teacher in Batley in hiding. Mm -hmm. Now we've got death threats forcing politicians out of office. This is the, the scary reality of life in modern Britain. I mean, we've also had for years now corruption running amok in Tower Hamlets. 
uh, with its strong Bangladeshi community, again bringing the politics of Asia in, into, into, Europe, into, into London, and we're just seeing the, the, the more extreme elements of it coming out now. And no one is taking a stand against any of this. People are letting it run amok. And it's also nepotism. I mean, all of these anti-democratic practices are coming into the world's oldest uh, continuous democracy. And uh, it, I think it's shameful that no one is brave enough to actually call this out for what it is and take active steps to try to prevent it. Well, uh, well yes, I mean, isn't this another one of those turning points? It wasn't a turning point in the end. I mean, well, this chap is back in office, in May yeah. of Luftaraman, for example, yeah. this notoriously corrupt chap, he's now mayor again of Tower Hamlets or Newham, wherever mm. it is. But what would it take actually for people actually to stand up? I mean, what, what actually, you've got time because I just simply don't know, what has like the Prime Minister said anything about this? This is one of his backbenchers, mm. isn't it? I mean, it may be too soon, I don't know, I haven't heard anything. Soon, but I mean, it's worth saying at the, at the time of this recording, Sadiq Khan has yet to comment on it. Um, other, other MPs have come out and said things, but um, we rarely see Sadiq Khan speaking about these issues. It just kind of... Whereas, whereas you know full well, had this been because of neo-Nazi white supremacists, of course. this would be wall-to-wall -wall news and it would be the number one pro topic on the, on the news at one and the news at six, I guarantee. And Sadiq Khan would have his own special mm. video dedicated to it, I imagine. But this is the point, isn't it? That this, that, that, that the whole point among all those cases that you just uh, listed as well is that uh, a denial of the truth mm. because the fact is that there is an ideology in place which simply cannot be seen to fail yeah. which is that of multiculturalism and, and yeah. the wonderfulness of mass migration well, it just reminds you of Naz Shah, the MP's tweet about the, the, the grooming, the rape gangs, saying just shut up about it. Mm. This For is the, the same type diversity. of thing. Yeah. For the sake of diversity, just shut up about it. Yeah. Yes. Once again, let's ignore all, the, all the, the blatantly obvious evidence we have around us in order to achieve this. this, this I think this is a, really another example in, in uh, the fact that multiculturalism doesn't work when you have an idea that there can be a plurality of cultures that will tolerate each other but an aspect of one of those cultures does not believe in tolerance. It doesn't believe in British values of non-violence or debate or discussion. And it just, put, uh, it just applies a, a notion of brute force, then you, can not have, you can't have mm. multiculturalism. And democracy is just undermined. And we're seeing lots of examples of that, like with Catherine Burblesing in the, in mm. the Cada school. She is, she's, been at, yeah. she's been over backwards to try to make a school that, uh, that is multicultural and for it to work. She's tried to um, get everybody singing the national anthem, everybody to eat the same, everybody to um, have it e be treated completely equally, and she's still ended up having a, a lawsuit against her, even mm. though it's a secular school. The lawsuit is regarding a Muslim child that wants to pray. So it's, you know, it, we are seeing people really trying to make multiculturalism work, and it, 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 it isn't. The thing is, you see, with the Catherine, because it mm. is exactly one of a piece with this, really, mm. in a way. With the Catherine Burblesing thing, the only thing one can accuse her of maybe is naivety, I would say. You know, that, you know, the, the no. all, all that what you said there, I think, is absolutely true. She's sort of sincerely trying, but then there are many of us who say, I'm afraid it's just not going to work. You know, but there's a broader issue here going beyond the issue of, of Islam and multiculturalism, and that's the sort of society that we now live in, one which is extremely radicalized on all sides. So, for example, if you look at uh, MPs who have been assassinated in, in, in Britain. Before the 20th century, all of them, bar one, had been killed by Irish Republicans as an organized attempt to kill people, apart from uh, Spencer Percival, 1812, that was a lunatic. But since the 21st century, all of them have been the sort of lone wolf, radicalized 
um, idiots, not just uh, um, Islamic, but also what white people have done this as well, including the stabbings. You know, there was a Nigel Jones with a sword was attacked and his aide was murdered. So that's what's interesting. Since the 21st century started, all of the attacks on MPs have been done by people who've been radicalized in some way. And whether it's social media playing a part in that, or whether it's just disaffection with politics and the MPs expenses scandal, there's been a, a, a very, very dramatic shift in people's attitudes towards MPs, where all MPs now are be have become figures of hate, no matter what their actual record may be. People don't <laughs> yes. seem to know that. As soon as they have the letters MP after their name, they become fair game. And I think that's very damaging for democracy because of course it's going to put off generally decent and talented ca characters. Yes, mm. do you remember actually when Sir David uh, Amos was killed that the response of Parliament was actually to debate the dangers of social media? Yep. I mean, talk about displacement activity. Unlike when Joe Cox was murdered, yes, and then it was yes. an attack on, on the right wing. Well, it was a, well, not just an attack, it was an attack on anyone wanting to vote yeah. for Brexit. Yes, yeah, yeah. You and I did, I did think it was quite brave of Mike Freer to actually, in his, in his statement, to name particular Muslim groups that have targeted him and to, to yes. really name the issue yes. rather than glossing over it because you don't often see that. But he was saying, it, you know, it's a specific group that have targeted me. Although, you know, I read newspaper reports, I think it was either the Times or mm. Telegraph, and you, if you read this report, you were none the wiser, mm. actually, yeah. as to the identity. You know, I mean, it's it's not unlike. I mean, sorry, I, it sounds like a you know one's making a spurious connection, but with this Clapham acid attack, we don't know. They they the police are asking for you know people for information, and they won't give a they won't give a description of it. Mm. You know, I I, you know, I I heard a few years ago on Radio Four, they, there was some murder, and they said the suspect is wearing a red cap and a black hoodie, <laughs> well, whereas the key identifier, the actual yes. colour of the person was completely omitted. I thought yeah. that might be actually quite helpful information to have. But you're quite right, this morning I listened to Radio 4 with Nick Robinson discussing this Mike Freer story. Not once was Islam ever meant, Muslim mm -hmm. and Islam never passed the lips of the BBC and what is actually the, the, the crux of that entire story. So in fact, really, you know, it's anti-Semitism. So what does that mean? That we've all become suddenly more anti-Semitic? Mm. I mean, no, come on, it's not a... No, it's, it's almost an insult to the, the memory of Sir David Amis and people yes. that are, you know, targeted because they're, they're not given proper justice or yeah. that what, what's happened to them isn't properly acknowledged in yeah. terms of what, what caused the, the death yeah. or the the insult or the injury. You know, um, it's, it's yeah, it, it's, it's not fair that... I mean, Mike, Mike Free has been very clear about what the issue is, and yet the media are not are, are pushing back against that. Mm. The media, I mean, you know, you say, who knew, for goodness sake, mm. but frankly, it is actually the media that is our great enemy in this sense, isn't it? In the mainstream media, in that they just cover for everything don't they? They, mm. no, they absolutely do. Even, even with regards to the, the people that perpetrated the arson attack on, on Mike Freer's office, it, that's being kind of hushed-hush. We yeah. don't know much about that. Yeah. Happened on Christmas Eve. I don't know if that's significant. But mm. um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's all downplayed. Mm. Um, and you know, the, the problem will just inevitably get bigger because people will be emboldened. The people committing these crimes will be emboldened. They'll think, you know, we can get away with it. Do you sense, actually, I mean, on the basis of the cases we've just all talked about. Do you, do you sense that people are, I say wising up about this, but this is rising as an issue again very much? Because you know, when it was like the problem with Islamic fundamentalism around the time, that straight after 9-11, then we had the 7-7 here, terrible Madrid attacks. And it, 
this, these were terrorist attacks. But then when we had to do Manchester, of course, it was all, you know, don't look back in anger. Well, frankly, I don't know what will make you angry enough. You know, mm. daughters, your daughters were being slaughtered, you know, in Manchester. That mm. didn't seem to make people... I wonder what it would take. I, I get the mm. feeling that the people are feeling more and more restless about this, or is it just me? Do you think so or not really? Honest. I think people have become resigned now more resigned. than ever to the reality that nothing's going to happen with all of this. Because as you said, when you've bombed uh, stadiums, when you've bombed the tube and buses, uh, when you've beheaded people in the streets <coughs> of London, I mean, what, what, what other level of things have to happen for people to take notice? They haven't taken notice. You've got a teacher in hiding, you've got cinemas pulling films out of the cinema. I mean, it, you've got, you know, groups picketing outside schools and so forth. You've got, you know, as I said, you've got rape gangs going unnoticed. I mean, all of this just sets, convinces people that people that the, the authorities and the elite are not on our side. And that, as you were saying earlier, everything is being hushed up for the sake of diversity. And unfortunately, I can't see any, I, I, don't, I don't know, I can't see what it would take to make things change. Mm. No, it's, uh, it, it, I don't know whether you saw today, but there was an article in the Telegraph by Alistair Heath. Um, I don't know why I've immediately gone to that, but I have. Um, which is basically saying that Europe might as well just shut up shop because it's basically in terminal decline. Now he goes into all sorts of different areas, but this is sort of one of them. Demographic, just mm -hmm. complete demographic decline, but also in a total unwillingness to confront these sorts of issues. And it's very, very hard reading through this to actually, you know, disagree. But then of course, what is one therefore saying? I mean, basically, what are we going to do? Go into a room and just simply put our heads in a gas oven? Of course not. Mm. You know, I mean, we, well, we are a few steps away from Europe in that regard <laughs> still. So we're still a bit more democracy loving and a bit more uh, alert to the stuff than they are on the continent of Europe, where the Germans and others are really have their heads in the sand. And of course, uh, Alistair Heath's argument isn't really about Europe. It's about uh, Western Europe, because mm. you still have in, 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 in Central and Eastern Europe strong identification with faith mm. and flag and mm. country and a strong aversion to demographic change and so <laughs> forth which i think needs to be and it's important to note also i mean this may, we may be witnessing the decline of western europe but we may also be seeing the rise of central and eastern europe as i've said before you know poland's going to have a gdp larger than the uk by 2030 you know uh, mm. you know 50 or 100 mm. years from now that may prove to be the 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 the, burden, the, 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 the great sort of beacon of light of europe but even so even with alice he's being so frank today, particularly for someone who wouldn't really have highlighted those things at one point, he still does this sort of thing where he says, well, unless we, the problem was not, what well, the problem was, he said, is this huge demographic change brought about by, you know, untrammeled migration uh, is inevitably going to lead to really nasty people coming to the fore. So the, so the, the problem is actually the response. Mm. Meaning that the yes, right wing are going yes. to come to power. Yeah, it, the okay. problem is the response, not the actual problem. Mm. Um, the changes in our culture as a result. Yeah. Yes, I mean, hopefully the thing that will wake people up is the, the increase in, in anti-Semitism, which, you know, it's difficult to, um, you know, argue about. I mean, you know, Mike Freer's constituency, as I've said, is mainly Jewish. 
And what a state of affairs where the majority Jewish um, constituency, that the, the MP for that for that area, has to step down mm. for speaking out about anti-Semitism. What must ma that make his constituents feel like? You know, yes. that the, the one MP speaking up for them um, can't continue for fear of his life. I mean, it's it's. it's and who's going to be brave awful. enough to replace him? Yes, is that exactly? It's a good point. The thing is, uh, Amy, with mm. what you're doing mm. as the SDP mm -hmm. candidate for London, I mean. You know, like you don't know, but you've got your work cars out, haven't you? <laughs> I mean, you know, with the because a lot of things we talked about are London based. Yes, you know, Mike yeah. Frey is London based, yeah. Clapham, uh, these are all areas of London, you know, but uh, it's around the country mm -hmm. too. How does one actually go about putting a platform up, you know, which goes against an absolute, well, I'm asking like I don't know, but yeah. I mean, you know, an absolute ingrained ideology. That, you know, books no opposition, which is that diversity is our greatest strength, mm. and that if you actually don't go along, this says that you're wicked. Mm. Mm. I mean, you know. I mean, you almost have to completely ignore party politics and the idea of tactical voting because if you genuinely, if you're aiming to get votes, you, you would be completely silent on all of these issues. Yeah. But then how does that help? You know, yeah. you have to give a voice to these if issues, um, even if that, you know, affects your popularity. But there are people that, for whom even just seeing somebody speaking out about these issues can, can make a huge difference and it can, yeah. it, it can encourage people to do the same. So yeah, it, it can feel a bit futile at times, but I think if nobody else does, then you know, you, well, you've, no, you've no, got that's to. Well, no, that's the absolutely, the ultimate thing. You, you, you've got to do that. Yes, you yeah. know, I mean, you say it's futile, it's not futile. Mm. Not at all, it's the least futile thing in a way. Mm. Um, on, a, on a, well no, actually it's not a brighter note. It kind of just looks brighter. But um, you might have seen this video actually uh, on social media this week, but before we talk about it, um, I just want you to just take a look. It was on Twitter. Here it is. Uh, religion you're allowed to do anywhere. No, no miss, you're not allowed you are, to sing ch you uh, are. church you are. songs outside of church grounds, by the way. You're not allowed to sing church songs outside, outside of church grounds. Or church, uh, songs or church you're not allowed grounds. To, that's fine, that's you're not fine. Allowed. She just said you're not allowed to sing church songs outside of church. Our church of, outside of church grounds, unless you have a Unless That's you've a been authorised no, no. by the church to do this, this kind of song. Yeah, Are you saying that you don't care about the Human Rights Act? You're lost? Hmm. Ah! Now look, this was I love this thing. I don't know if you saw uh, church songs. I think she means hymns, doesn't she? <laughs> she means hymns. Yeah. But this is a perfect example. This girl mm -hmm. was on it's Oxford Street, isn't it, I think? Yeah. And she was just playing you know, just hymns or whatever. Christian songs, yes. Um, and yeah, she's a gospel singer. She was playing songs. Lo lots of buskers are, are on Oxford Street yeah. singing songs, perfectly normal. Um, and a, well, a volunteer policewoman who you wouldn't know she was a volunteer. For, I, I couldn't tell she was a volunteer from the way she was dressed. Well, a plastic you, policeman, they call yeah, it. Yeah, well, you would, you would, she would pass as a police officer, came yes, up. Because, yeah. you know, from what she was looking, you wouldn't know. And she didn't introduce herself, as far as I can see, as a volunteer. Came up to this singer and said, you're... You're not allowed to sing church songs out of church, which is completely made up. Yes. Just entirely made it up <laughs> off the top yes. of her head. And actually, what you saw from the footage is that this volunteer knew more about the law than than this volunteer did. She actually said, "Well, no, according to Section Nine oh. of the Human Rights Act and religious <laughs> freedoms, I am allowed to sing." Yes. Um, to which, to which uh, the the volunteer policewoman stuck her tongue out. Um, so presumably, this was all just a game or a bit of fun. 
Um, but of course, you know, you get the sense of this that, I mean, lots of issues come up with this, but I think there's an idea that, um, you know, mocking Christians or, or, have, or, or, or telling or clamping down on Christians is, is fair game and it's just a bit of fun. Um, you don't really see this happening to other forms of religious expression. In the last several months, we've seen whole groups of Muslims coming together with a call for prayer and shouting jihad. And I don't think, I think police officers, whether they're volunteer or otherwise, would be far too scared to intervene and say anything. But when it comes to Christians, it's all a bit, oh, we can just have a laugh, we can just, uh, you know, persecute them and it doesn't really matter. You see, um, sticking your tongue out like that, I mean, that's, I, I just sort of dismiss her immediately, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, it just shows how amateurish and uh, sort of immature this woman is, you know. I mean, look, she's a volunteer police, police woman we must always support volunteerism. I mean, the voluntary ethic is something that distinguishes us in general. But what happens, of course, is you get bad apples who are on a power trip. Mm -hmm. And clearly this is somebody who, you know, she, she works at Costa Coffee and, you know, she, she, clearly she was enjoying this role for the ability to actually just meet out her on-the-spot justice as she sees it. I mean, the bizarre thing, of course, is that, you know, <coughs> Jesus wanted Christians to go out and preach the gospel. That's kind of the, the message of Christianity. So the idea you could only do these sorts of things within, the, within church waters for the birds but you know I mean when people ask me what my idea of hell is I always say it's walking down Oxford Street on a Saturday afternoon I can't think of anything more hellish in the world you know you've got you've got Roman gypsies uh, begging on the streets you've got pickpockets you've got shady characters you've got all the flotsam and jetsam of life on the street you've got these candy shops and money laundering there are so many targets the police could be looking at mm. and should be looking at and instead they're picking on a harmless person singing gospel songs never mind that the as, as amy was saying the uh, the islamic preachers who uh, used loudspeakers and even we've even had calls to prayer on the streets yes actually. Of, of, of oxford yeah. street all yeah. of that goes by the yeah. by and yet these are the easy pickings the low-hanging fruit or to go for the christians as usual and also actually this week we had a call to prayer no not a call to prayer yes a call to prayer actually at the beginning of redbridge council i don't no. know if you saw this no. and they basically all the councillors had to stand up and be quiet while i assume it was a call to prayer was it uh into the microphone yeah. mm. but it's just you know two-tiered policing two-tiered everything frankly yeah. Um, but I thought that that was a particularly embarrassing one mm. with that woman. But it's also the creeping authoritarianism, right? Yes. Not just, it's just the most yes. recent example of the police overstepping the mark and telling people to do things that simply aren't true. Yeah. And again, it shows the level of ignorance amongst the police, the youngest police force we've ever had. But it also is quite dangerous in terms of our, our, the loss of civil liberties mm. we're seeing eroded year on year. It's, it's also a concern about the lack of seriousness in which the, the role of being a police officer is taken, that somebody can so easily be become a volunteer and represent the police um, and and yet you know you know totally di disrespect the public I mean the, the role of the police officer is to um, you know uphold the law it's an extremely significant role and to maintain the relationship between the citizen and the state and if somebody can so easily become a volunteer and and you know represent themselves as the police that, that, I mean it's a crime to impersonate a police officer <laughs> yes. for, for a reason and yet you could just do a few yes. training days yes. and wear the uniforms yes. it seems if you wanted to impersonate a police officer you could do that quite quickly and get away with it that was a particularly um, bad impersonation yes. that part, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think Rod Stewart's wife is also a volunteer police officer who is? She, Rod Stewart's wife oh but yes she, but she gets very, she, she's supposed to be very good actually yes yeah. yes well she's tall <laughs> she's absurdly tall yeah, I yeah. mean that must make That's make a difference surely. Mm. 
Thank you very much. I mean, all the very best with this camp. Well, you, you can tell us about it as it goes along. Thank yes. you very much, Dwayne. And uh, that's it for this week. Do remember, uh, Tuesday, 30 sorry, the 6th of February in Wellingborough. Uh, do get in touch if you want to come. Uh, but we shall see you next week. Thank you. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you. Thank you.